Welcome back, listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and with me today is Michael Van Dorsa as my co-host. Michael, how are you? Doing very well, thanks, Casper. In these unprecedented times, we've got unprecedented things going on in the football world. And uh, can I say unprecedented one more time? <laughs> Absolutely. The Suns, uh, the Suns were very impressive despite the loss of Matt Rowell, a devastating injury. Premiership contenders might be back and maybe we have overestimated some certain teams, but we will get to that first things first, section one of the podcast, that dissection of round four. Top two highlights. You can go first. What is your number one highlight of the round? Uh, number one highlight of the round, I think, is uh, the way Brisbane are going about their football at the moment. Just absolutely loving watching what they're doing and how they're playing their games of football. Um, they're, they're, what is they? As I look at it now, they're, they're probably flag favourites or equal flag favourites. Um, I like what they're doing and I like what Chris Fagan's got them going with at the moment. So, um, to do what they did to Port Adelaide and comprehensively beat them um, by what, what's that, 30, 37 points. I'll tell you what, yes, they're playing a lot of games at home, but they're doing what they need to do at this point in time. It was a shellacking. It was a shellacking. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair way to say it too, yeah. Yep, happy with that. Um, they're just, uh, they're, and with no real big key forward, which is completely... Yeah, surprising. I'll put it that way. How about you? What was your highlight? What was number one highlight of the week for you? Before I get to mine, just touching on the Lions again, just with how well they dismantled a team that up until this point looked like they were going to win the flag. Port were playing mm. brilliantly. And I think one criticism was Brisbane was, oh, well, who, you know, who they played, right? You know, they played Adelaide. Yeah, so what? They nearly lost to Fremantle for crying out loud. Right, you know, who, who they, they, they beat West Coast when the Eagles were down. But this was beating a fellow Premiership contender who were above them on the ladder. Both teams, incredible form lines heading into it. Charlie Dixon, six goals last week. This week and big fat zero for Charlie. So maybe no Charlie, no Port. Who knows? Who knows? There's but, also, also a Blake called Harris Andrews. Yes, that's very true. Very true. Full credit to... Harris Andrews, one of the best defenders in the league. My number one, I don't have my Essendon hat with me, but it has to be one of the best performances of the season, surely. I thought we were dead and gone. Colin, we got the first three goals. McKernan had a shot early in the first quarter. Colin were up by two already, and he shanked it. He sprayed it. He was trying to kick it to Adelaide with that kick, and he missed it by about a million miles, and Colin would transition it down the field and kicked a goal. And I thought, that's it. That's it. I was already I was already planning on how I was going to defend our team on Twitter. I was going to say like, I was going to think of, I was thinking of defenses like, oh, you know, we've had like an interrupted preparation. Oh, you know, we're playing a premiership contender, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, the boys said, no need to do that. And they came out and played with an intensity that I have not seen Essendon play with in a long time. The tackling was ferocious. It was ferocious. And the final 20 seconds of the, of the first half summarized that best when Collingwood were forced to do circle work with handball drills, right? <laughs> and because we, we wouldn't allow them to kick inside their forward 50. So SNN number one, yes, I'm biased. I don't care. It was a great win. 
It was, and I'll back you up 100% there. And uh, to illustrate that handballing circle work, to go, he then put the kick out of bounds on the full right on the stroke of half time. For me, that showed uh, a new and a new improved. I was very impressed with Jake Stringer. Um, you're going to miss him a lot now. I know. Um, but uh, yeah, I was very impressed with how he went about his about his football on, uh, what was that, Friday night? feels like forever ago, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and we're sitting here recording this on a Tuesday and I'm sitting there going, what day are we at? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is, it's going to be, it's, yeah, Essendon, very good. I was with you. I was turning the I was turning over to the rugby on <laughs> um, uh, to watch because I couldn't stand Collingwood kicking three quick goals and, and then all of a sudden quarter time, you're back even. So they came back really well. Um, that first 10 minutes is something they need to work on, but. I'll tell you what, very good win by the Dons. Absolutely. I tell you what, football is going terribly when you have to watch the rugby because it's too uh, Well, considering we got... Uh, I would rather have watched the rugby on Thursday night, but anyway, it's not a rugby chat. It's a, it's a, it's an AFL chat, so that's Get okay. That rubbish out of here. Our second <laughs> highlight for me, the Western Bulldogs. Wow. Talk about a turnaround. At the end of round two, they were struggling there in the quagmire. The vultures were circling Luke Beveridge. The vultures were circling some of the clubs. Star Wars, Fontenpelli was nowhere to be sighted. They were struggling the dogs. And it's been as an impressive three weeks from any team that I've seen in a long time. It's been an incredible three weeks. To beat the Giants in a game that they should have lost. To then go up to Sydney and beat the Swans. And maybe the Swans aren't as great as I thought they were going to be. But then to come and crush North Melbourne and for Josh Bruce to prove the doubt is wrong, mm-hmm. could go on to win the Coleman medal. This is the type of game that could set up a forward like him for the rest of the season. It's going to be interesting you know to see it... go moving up to Queensland. But mm. as for now, they could be top four dark horses. I've heard that a couple of times, actually, in the last few days about uh, the doggies and how well they're going. And can I just say, it's got no... Uh, does it have any correlation to when my man gets selected for his first game for the dogs? Latham Vandermeer? <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to say that. I don't really care. Um, doesn't, I don't think he's actually been on the best sheet, in inverted commas, but uh, the kid does do some good things and he's been doing some really well really good things he got concussed i see on the uh on the weekend but uh no i'm pretty impressed with how uh how he's going and how well the doggies are going as well um doing a pretty good job and as you said on the back of josh bruce just six six goals and doing what he can uh not bad at all um just thinking about the uh my second one, second one was probably the way St Kilda went about defeating Carlton on yeah. Thursday night, um, seventy-three to fifty-five. It's an eighteen-point win. Uh, you'd expect back in the day, you would have expected this to be a nil-all draw sort of stuff. Um, honestly, I can't say that I watched a lot of the game purely and simply I was doing other things. But to see the end result and uh, to have a mate of mine. Uh, turn around and just send me red, white, and black stickers. I knew something good was happening. So um, I'm pretty impressed with how the Saints are going. They're doing very. They're doing a lot of things right. Carlton aren't doing too much wrong, but at the same time, you do get the same feeling at times with Carlton that it's two steps forward, one step back at times. But um, St Kilda, for me, 
impressive, especially on the big stage of a of a Thursday night game. I mean, yeah, it's not Friday night football, but to have it on Thursday night and to do what they did, um, I think, yeah, three-goal win shows that they're on the right track. Since you mentioned Carlton, I'll go into my first low light of the week and say they had momentum behind them. They had an opportunity. I think uh, I heard some people talking them up as finals contenders, and they had an opportunity to perform on primetime TV. I can't remember, aside from round one, because they always play on Thursday night, but I can't remember the last time that Carlton were on primetime outside of round one. I can't, it must have been years ago. Years ago. I reckon the last time that they played on primetime TV was probably maybe 2017. And they had an opportunity to prove to the AFL with the rolling fixture that we belong on this time slot or on Friday night or Sunday night. We deserve to be watched by the nation. And then they serve up that slow start yet again. Yet again. It's, I, someone told me that, you know, they should probably, it might have even been you, MVD, who said this, that they should probably set the alarm clock earlier so that they could actually get to the game on time. I think that's what they're going to do. It's yes. just one of those things. So, yeah. Just you gotta, it's got to be that way, but yeah, I don't know what they're doing. No, I mean, I Teague don't. needs to do something for them. How try you? and get them moving a bit. So, uh, number one disappointment. I'm trying to think in which order to put this because which one has more impact, whether it's my first, my biggest disappointment or whether it's like my equal biggest disappointment or what. I could pick out a team out of any of the tips that I lost on the weekend. <laughs> um, whether that's Collingwood. Collingwood, I think I tipped Sydney as well. Um, Melbourne. I didn't know I tipped Richmond, but mm. yeah, Hawthorne. But can I, I'm going to go to uh, something a bit different. The AFL fixturing timing people. Biggest disappointment for me is when you are putting a, a game that is on uh, in, on the international stage and trying to showcase what we love and what we really support and you put a game like Adelaide versus Fremantle yeah. on for the Americans to watch in prime time that is not doing our sport any favours whatsoever, it's not doing Mason Cox any favours as the American in the sport Pat I McAfee, I would love to see what his reaction was to the Adelaide Fremantle game because to me, again game I didn't watch, I didn't care for, I don't really care about, to be perfectly honest, but 8.654 to 4.10.34, like, please, give me a spell. 12 goals, 16 for their match, and I'm not blaming anyone other than those people for putting that game on live into American prime time, because that was putrid. Yeah. And I would understand if they, if they put a marquee matchup that ended up dis- ended up being a, a, a low scoring or ended up being low scoring. I can understand that because if they put yep. if they put GWS and Hawthorne in that time slot and the result was the same, you could at least understand the logic because oh, the Giants and the Hawks, you know, that's at least a close. You know, on paper it should have been a close game. I can understand. Or even Richmond Melbourne in the way that they were playing their game and all that sort of stuff. Um, you can understand it, but the disposal efficiency and the clangers and, oh, my goodness, like, that, to me, screamed 
why are we doing this? Like, I know a, pe- a couple of people turned around and said, we've got other fish to fry at this point in time about scheduling matches to go into international. Um, but the match disposal efficiency, I'm just bringing it up here now for both teams. Okay, so for Freeman, it was for it was 80%. And yeah. Adelaide, it was 75.2. Uh, this efficiency inside effect, uh, inside 50 was less than a third, well, about a third each. And I'm just trying to see if I can find a clearances, or the clear, not the clearances, the clangers here, because it seemed like it was absolutely crazy. Um, but it didn't, doesn't give me the clangers. That'd be right, as I try and pad for it, but it doesn't give it to me. Um, match, like possession... And all that's turnovers. There you go. 61 to 58, Adelaide's way. Like, seriously. And how how is that showing the best game that we can have, offer? Don't think we can. So, nah. Sorry. Probably gone on too long about it. But seriously, that was oh, I Look, I agree with you. Hey, American, Americans, do you want a sport that you can follow that's tough, that features incredible catches, kicking that's played normally um, between in the NFL offseason. Here's what we call the greatest sport in the world, Fremantle versus Adelaide. I, it, it is ridiculous. It would be like last year playing Melbourne v. Gold Coast over there in the US. It made no sense. Or Gold Coast and Kilda. Or anyone in Gold Coast. Exactly. But at least those two games were close. Uh, but for me, um, since we're going to get into Collingwood later, okay. I one, but that Collingwood is my blow is like just the entire week. Just It's difficult to point out one particular. It's just the entire thing. And it's everyone. It's Jordan Dugowie. It's still side bottom. It's Eddie McGuire. It's Nathan Butler. It's like the entire team it's just my calling with supporting friend has actually said that he's lost interest in football watching Collingwood play and they're still they're still you know they could still turn around and win it but just the entire week it's just an entire massive l for Collingwood I can't disagree with you I can't disagree with you I can't agree with you more mm-hmm. um what they've dished up in the last 14 days uh, yeah, it's frustrating and it's it's weird for a side that is one of the biggest going around. Uh, I just, what is wrong with it? Is is there a culture problem? Is there? Uh, I don't think people are rightly got to question it. I mean, yeah, we, okay, you're sitting here as an Essendon supporter. I'm sitting here as a Hawthorne supporter, and yeah, neither of us really care for Collingwood because <laughs> we see things in colour. But um, the the whole I like what you did there. I like what you did there. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, the whole idea of whatever's going on over there, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. And yeah, I just don't get it. I just really don't. And someone's got something to answer to. And I'm not sure exactly if we're going to hear the... I mean, yeah, because I mean, it even goes into that Her- Heredia Lumumba as well issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you say you've got someone that's going to be doing that. Uh, well, they've got that side of it. They've got, yeah, the Dugowie thing. They've got the side bottom thing. And then Eddie McGuire comes out and doesn't really support his own words. 
makes uh, makes for an interesting week or an interesting 14 days or so. Absolutely. I'll be glad to be getting into a hub, I'll be honest with you. I can tell you that now, getting away right. from Melbourne for a bit. Oh, absolutely. And going to Sydney, where you know the sports mm. landscape is 99% focused on the NRL. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then uh, to Perth, so. Yeah. My, um, my second low light, I know we're going to talk on injuries and suspensions later, but Matt Rowell, um, to see that poor guy go down with a shoulder injury and... Uh, you can't say he's at the top of his game because he's only just started, but five games in, he, he was the biggest shining light out of the Suns team at this point in time. And I'm looking at it going, yep, that's uh, very unfortunate for them. Can they win games without him? He's not that important to them yet, but gee, he was a good, he was good to watch. I know Suns supporters and they're sitting there going, my goodness, if they, if we can lock away Ralph for the next five, six, seven years, there's a premiership coming up there not too long. And the way they're doing things at the moment, I think they've got everything on the right track. Stewie Jew's got people moving in the right direction. You won't hear a lot of people talk about how good a 37-point loss was. Yeah. But the Suns were in that up to their eyeballs for, for three quarters. Yeah. And not many people would say they... I mean, yes, okay, Carlton supporters can say, well, well, we beat Geelong down there. But, I mean, <laughs> for a young side and the way they're going about things, Pierce Hanley's doing good things. Jared Harbrell, who's the, the most capped son. Um, really good, really good oh, players. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't even going to, I wasn't even going to start, hadn't even started on the youngsters, mm. but gee, some of those kids coming through, Anderson, Rowell, King, like they're, they're going to be playing some good football for years to come and uh, just disappointing. And hopefully that he can come back. Doesn't look like he'll come back this year. I'm hearing reports that he'll, He's out for the season. Um, but, yeah, that was a flattening... I don't know. It wasn't the most flattening thing that happened over the weekend. But in a sense, in an AFL sense, I'm pretty sure that was mo- the most flattening thing. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So. We can't have nice things in 2020, apparently. <laughs> um, the most... And this is why we, why we don't get nice yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Most surprising result... Um, I tipped the Giants to win. I didn't think they would win by that much. They were incredible. Ben Lathan played, I reckon, the game of his career. Himmelberg was incredible. Um, the fact that the Giants' forward line performed as well as it did without Jeremy Cameron performing well at all is a wonderful sign. When you can perform at that level without your best forward playing well, then there's no reason why you can't win the premiership. So, so for me, it's GWS because they don't have a weakness on the ground. Mm, okay, fair enough. Um, interesting. Your, so they're your tip for the, uh, for the premiership, are they? They've been my tip for the premiership for the last three years. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay, it's got to come off eventually for you. I, I just don't think it's going to be... be right I don't, <laughs> Oh, I agree. You've got to be right at some point. I just don't think you're going to be right this year either. To be perfectly honest, there's, I can see too many holes in, the, in them at the moment. They're not they're not quite Swiss cheese, but some of it, I'll tell you what, there's uh, some, some holes that are starting to form in that uh, Giants outfit. And I'm not just saying that as a dull Hawthorne supporter who lost to them and got frustrated by the free kick count. But that's another story for another day. Um, yeah, I just, I think they've got a lot, to, they've still got a lot to get to in, in that regard. Um, yeah, I'm not not sold on them yet. 
but I'm not sold on a lot of teams either. So go figure. Figure. Um, my most surprising result was, uh, I suppose, the West Coast Sydney game. Mm. West Coast, who hadn't had a win um, since I think since the return or at all this year, is that right? They, they they won in round one. Okay, so since the resumption, they hadn't had a win. Um, yeah, I, and they didn't look like winning either. That's probably the other issue. And then for the Swans, who yeah, okay, they they're going they've been going win loss win loss. Um, so they were expected to win in some regard. Um, but yeah, I, where are the Swans at? Um, but that whole game, I think for me, was the most surprising in um, in regards to it on Saturday afternoon. I'll go with that at least anyway. Fair enough. I'll go with the positive <laughs> result for me, Richmond. Um, when you have a host of injuries on top of players refusing to go into a hub that you're going to go into for at least four weeks, who knows if it'll be longer. And I'm not blaming the players who are staying because, you know, there are there are dads and there are expected dads and there are new dads who need to look after their family. Um, and there are young kids as well who probably don't want to go into the hub um, because they don't want to be away from mum and dad. I get it. Um, but when you have this monstrous task ahead of you, it's important to get as many wins on the board as you can get. Richmond haven't been able to do that until this game against Melbourne. And this game against Melbourne, Richmond was able to do something that they haven't, that they hadn't been able to do before that, which was actually hold on. Because they kicked the first goal against the Saints and then conceded a massive landslide. They choked the third quarter away against Hawthorne. Round two, they couldn't come back against Collingwood. And round one, yeah, true, they're up by 50 points, but they only won by four goals. If it was a better team than Carlton, no offense, Carlton fans, they probably would have lost that game. Mm. And so for me, the way that they were challenged and the way they responded shows me that despite the mammoth task ahead of them, they will probably be okay in the hub. They'll probably do fine in the hub. Yep, fair enough. Oh, not too bad. I, I can't split mine. And we've spoken about both these teams already today. The most positive result for club-wise, club mm. but I think, okay, individually, I think the most positive result was Josh Bruce yeah. for Western Bulldogs. I think that was the most positive result individually. Club-wise, I'm going to go with, and take your pick, Brisbane or Essendon? I think you know what might Oh, I mean, I think both of them have positives to take out of this. I mean, Brisbane knock off the top place, Port Adelaide. Essendon come back from three goals down in the first 10 minutes when they looked like they were absolutely going to get blown away and come back and win and win well. And they were headed as well. Essendon, are, if I'm not mistaken, and you'll be, you'll be able to correct me very quickly on this, but Essendon are, what, 30 centimetres away from being... Uh, four and zero, and oh, sitting four. in the oh, four yeah, exactly. Like it was about thirty centimeters, about a foot away from closing that goal. If that goal had gone across the line from Jacob Townsend, they'd be four and zero. They'd be sitting on top of the ladder, 
and everyone will be sitting there going, Essendon are premiership favourites. Now, I don't agree with the fact that they're about the premiership favouritism, but I think that to be three and one with a game in hand, um, yeah, that was probably a good good result for them. And the Lions, I'll tell you what, to be four and zero since the resumption of play, that's a that's a month that nobody else could ask for. Uh, in regards to what's going on, because I mean, their only losses to Hawthorne, and that was at the MCG round one. Impressive on both fronts. Um, I'm not going to separate both of them by singling one of them out, but I think that's where I'm at in regards to both of them. Yeah. Is that fair enough? Yeah, that's fair enough. Biggest disappointment of the round, Melbourne. I saw an, I saw, um, an analysis uh, of the Melbourne Richmond game on Fox afterwards um and i think it was derm who pointed out the fact no it's gary lyon who pointed out the fact that they have like this red haze he called it when they get the ball they play on at all costs right and ignore the easy options and they ignore mm-hmm. you know, they're running on adrenaline and that's why they turn the ball over so frequently and they mentioned in it that they spent a lot of money on key defenders where most clubs around the world and different sporting leagues spend it on their attack and I think that's incredibly evident in the fact that Melbourne down back is, I struggle to call them great, but they're good. Their defense is good. Yep. But past the, mid, past the middle of the ground, past the center circle going the other way, they are one of the most listless clubs in the competition. Oh, 100%. 100%. I bet you that they would be needing Hogan at the moment. Hogan, uh, I saw on the same. I reckon I saw on the same thing that um, was it King that went up to the Gold Coast. They gave up pick six for Sam Day, and pick six was used for for Ben King. Like, I'm sorry, really? Yep. Name me, name me the name me a key forward out of Melbourne. Uh, and time's up. Do you know what? I was <laughs> going to say McDonald, but I think a better Which question. Which one? <laughs> Good point. Which one plays forward? I can't remember. But um, I'll tell you uh, what would be a better question. Name me a good key forward in Melbourne. Gary Lyon? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff David Ross. Schwartz? <laughs> Russell Robinson. Russell Robinson. <laughs> Hey, I mean, yeah, okay, we're, we're pulling the chain and all that sort of stuff a little bit, but fair dinkum. Like, I can't believe it. Uh, for me, it was, yeah, that, that, I mean, Clayton Oliver had to kick that ball to the Melbourne player instead of to the Richmond players. Uh, we could be talking about them being the biggest surprise of the weekend, beating Richmond, um, to be perfectly honest, because they were coming and coming hard at that point in time. Um, but, uh, yep, okay, move on had enough of them need to pull their fingers out and do something because i just don't even know what's going on my biggest disappointment for the world weekend melbourne supporters as well sorry sorry to cut you off MVD, but melbourne supporters can't even go to the ski fields this year (laughs) not anymore anyway dire things are you can't go to the ski fields you could probably watch at home wearing your ski outfit but anyway 
Yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, give a pl give a nice bit of plug to the uh, Mount Buller website. Yeah. Um, they've got a nice little snow cam and all that sort of stuff. So enjoy, enjoy, <laughs> and have your cheese platters and wine and all that sort of stuff at home. <laughs> Say what if some friends of mine hear me go on about that, then they'll uh, if this is back to them, then I'll be in trouble. Uh, but anyway, uh, my biggest disappointment for the weekend, personally, I think you know where I'm going with this, yeah. Hawthorne. Uh, not so much. I mean, yeah, I'm caught in a lot of ways. Objectively, it was disappointing to see they didn't bring their they didn't bring their um, their drive that took them to beating Richmond. They didn't bring the the passion in that respect. But also, I haven't seen a free kick, and I'm not blaming the umpires. Hear me correctly. I'm not blaming the umpires, but I haven't seen such a lopsided free kick count in quite a few seasons and i'm not saying that's everything and i don't know what it was because it was tough on it was mate and to be perfectly honest i was cooking dinner at the time so i was just hearing different scores and all that sort of stuff but at one point i, I think i saw the free kick count as being something stupid like 28 to 9 or something like that i'm sitting there going hang on really um so while i'm talking to you i am trying to double check what the what the free kick count was uh, it's in all these not sorry it was like 20 to 11. Which you don't hear of it being... I mean, you don't expect it to be 50-50. Yeah. You don't, as any sort of supporter. You don't expect it to be 50-50. If you get a 50-50, good. If you yeah. don't, well, that's fine at the same time. But, it, yeah, it's interesting, especially after Clarko came out and, and said, come on, umpires, let's make sure that we get the holding ball free kick going. And then... Well, that backfired. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I wonder what his opinion on the strict interpretation of that. Um, let's... Okay. 26-12 it was. 26-12. Jeez. Yeah. But Hawthorne's disposal efficiency also at 69%. That's not going to win you many games. No, it's not. And efficiency inside 50, 47.4%. Please. That's like Adelaide numbers. But yeah. Let's discuss. The, one of the major talking points... We'll, we were going to talk about it later, but since you brought up umpiring, um, I have, I've never umpired outside of like an Oz kick match or two. And that was mm. stressful enough as it is. Because you get a bunch of kids yelling at you. But I can't think, I can't even imagine how stressful it would be to be an AFL umpire, right? First and foremost, yeah. it has to be one of the most difficult sports in the world to adjudicate. But... Having said that, surely it is not as difficult as some of the umpiring decisions made this weekend made it look like, right? We already brought up, brought up a lopsided free kick camps, right? I reckon Collingwood on Friday night had, I reckon they had close to double the amount of free kicks that Essendon got, right? Two in particular I want to bring up. First, just to show the fact that I'm not biased, the Jordan Degoe goal that wasn't a goal, right? Now, Goal umpires make mistakes. Sometimes they get in the way. I understand that. But I can't... The problem is, right, he said that it was going to be a goal. That was the goal umpire's call, that it would have been a goal. And the score reviewer said that he was confident that it would have gone through four behind. It would have hit the post. How could you be confident looking at that angle, looking at the bounce of the ball? How could you be 100... Because it's supposed to be 100% confident from what I understand, in order to overturn something like that. And if it's not, 
go with the umpire, the goal umpire's call. Had he done okay. that, right? I'm an Essendon supporter. I would have had no issue with that being called a goal. That's just fair me. enough. Yep, no, that's fair enough. I completely agree with you, and I don't have a problem with that. However, watch. I actually watched the whole, well, predominantly most of the uh, Collingwood Essendon game live, at least the last three quarters. It was interesting to me, at least anyway. When I saw that happen, my first reaction was hit the post. Watching it live, I went hit the post straight away. When I saw the replay, I was interested to find out what the umpire, when the umpire said goal, he, I think himself, would was guessing. I'm only, I'm assuming right now, so I could be made an ass of. I'll be honest, but, um, but where he was in the scheme of things, I had okay, I had no trauma with the overturn of that. For me, it was hitting the post, and I, if he wasn't there, I think it would have hit the post as well. Um, I come from a cricket background where we got Hawkeye and all that sort of stuff. And and I think the first thing I did was put my finger up and said, that's LBW, see you later. Um, I was surprised at how close it was. But once you get to see the fact that the umpire was actually standing on the post, mm. he, he'd actually backed up into the post and it hit him. It hit him fair enough where probably the post, the padding of the post was. I had no dramas being called behind. I looked at it and then I listened to the commentary afterwards. I shook my head at the commentary and goes, you and think thought you could actually see where he's hit, where he's been hit and where the post is. And he was what? Probably 15 centimeters. If that away from the distance and to say that the, the, um, the third umpire was guessing, I thought it was completely the right decision. And I would have been absolutely dumbfounded if they had a quarter to goal. I'm completely the other way, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I couldn't see them calling it a goal. Yeah. At all. Based on the video footage, based on gut feel, the whole thing, no. Nah. Right decision to me was made. However, the other one, which I know you're going to bring up, in a, you're going to bring up, is the uh, Josh Thomas. Uh, the Collingwood player that got caught with the, with the dangerous tackle. That one and the umpires came out and have, have said that that was the wrong call. We'll preface that. I thought that was, the, at the time, I thought it was the wrong call. But I think Josh Thomas in an attempt, which Daisy Pierce said this on the commentary uh, post-match. She goes, the fact that da- uh, Daisy, um, oh, what's his name? Josh Thomas. Josh Thomas, thank you. Yeah, the Collingwood player. Who I, can't, I couldn't remember. The fact that he was trying to make an attempt to get the ball out meant that he put his head into like a, a sealed position and tried to shake his head and all that sort of stuff kind of gave the impression that it was a dangerous tackle. So I can understand where the umpire got it wrong. Like how the, um, the AFLs have come out and said, yes, it was the wrong call. We move on. But I, I, there were some very interesting decisions with regards to this holding the ball. And I like the idea of it because it gets the game flowing a bit more. But um, some of the Hawthorne ones I looked at the other week and went, how is that a free kick against? Like, where's the prior opportunity? Yes, you've got to show an attempt, a genuine attempt to get rid of the ball, but where's the prior opportunity? Don't tell me we're losing that out of the game too. Yeah, no, good point. And um, there was one, a Sydney player uh, got tackled, uh, I think by Venables of the Eagles, um, 
and Sydney player grabbed it and immediately within like 0.5 seconds got wrapped up massive tackle one arm pinned which you're supposed to do when you tackle someone pinned yep. holding the ball and I'm just like maybe I'm biased because I love this once and really don't like the Eagles but how where was the opportunity to get rid of that where was where was yeah. it? I, that I don't understand. And also, just on that dangerous tackle, just on that dangerous tackle, I've, I've made this joke several times over the last few days, and it's gotten one laugh, but I'm going to say it anyways. The song Dangerous Woman by Ariana Grande is more dangerous than that tackle was. That's how <laughs> dangerous that was. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And the AFL, as I said, the AFL got it wrong. Uh, they come out and said it. Good on them. Good yeah. on them for, for having a crack at it and saying that we got it wrong. Yeah, to be absolutely. honest. Absolutely. Now, so. talking about your Hawks, uh, <laughs> what's happening to them? They are the biggest roller coaster team at the moment. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. I'm mimicking that I'm doing a yo yo while you're talking there because right. at the moment they, they're up and down all over the place. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, mimicking, I'm mimicking skiing because they're a little bit downhill skiers. Oh, I might have to twirl my, my mode that I've got growing at the moment uh, at you on that one, Casper. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them, to be perfectly honest. They, they come up against Collingwood this week, which will be a very good game. Yeah. It should be a very good game. Um, but, yeah, oh, I can't put a finger on it. Yeah. I cannot put a finger on it. And a um, couple of injuries out of the game as well, which isn't the greatest, um, especially like to Mitch Lewis having a hamstring injury. Luke Bruce, obviously, with a fractured jaw, wasn't out as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. I, I'm honestly, I'm not too sure. I don't have a fix, but all I know is that yes, in sometimes they get these, uh, they get these way, this way of doing things, and it just frustrates the heck out of you, and frustrates the heck out of a lot of us in as Hawthorne supporters, much to the chagrin of everybody else sitting there going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Everyone else is loving it because everyone hates Hawthorne. At least we can say one thing, though, Casper. After this weekend, hashtag free kick Hawthorne is dead. It's dead, I tell you. We're sitting tw- 18th on the uh, for the free kick differential, so I dare anyone to, to challenge me on that. Does a hashtag like that ever truly die, though? That's my question. I'm telling you, it's dead. It's dead, gone. You cannot call it, you cannot say free, hashtag free kick Hawthorne anymore. We got smashed in the free kick count. We're not being. We're, they're obviously off our pay books and all that sort of stuff. So bad luck. Everyone can kiss that one goodbye. Thank you. That's fair. That's fair. From <laughs> one club I despise to another one. Um, oh, great. Collingwood. Uh, what can you say? Now it has. It's been going on. Has already been. Week, right? You mentioned um, the Heretia. Heretia. Retia Lumumba. Lumumba. Yep. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, look, right. To hear and to, to have former teammates back him up on that, and to have Paul Roos come out and say, "Yeah, this is what he told me when he came to Melbourne," and I was shocked about it. It's it becomes less and less believable for me when Nathan Buckley claims that he never heard that. 
mm. nickname being used, right? Um, especially as an assistant coach slash player, to not hear that name, you you would have to, surely, right? Because players call each other their nicknames all the time on the field when you're playing, when you're training. I, I don't know how he couldn't have heard it, right? And I'm not privy to that situation. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But to see the culture of change that's happening around the world. And even you take a team like the Washington Redskins in the US, I believe they're changing their name. It wouldn't gonna... surprise me because the Redskins Lollies are changing their name too. So, and Chico's. Yeah. So go figure. Right. Um, it's all being changed, which is wonderful. So my question is, why is Collingwood sticking their head in the dirt about this? They're not really, because they've done the, they've got their, what's the word? Um, they're doing an investigation in regards to it, which I think is good for them. But yeah, um, I don't know what's going on at Collingwood, but they need to be as plain as their jumpers because um, there's a lot of things that need to really come out in the wash here. And, and like I said off the top, I reckon uh, it's one, I'm wondering whether or not it's a, if there's a culture thing, because um, it goes into the whole like Jordan Goey side of things, and it's kind of like it's just an absolute mess at the moment. It should be Jordan Goey because I tell you what, they're in a Goey situation. They are. They really, really. Sorry, are. that's terrible. I know that's a terrible gag, but <laughs> the whole the whole thing just doesn't sit well with me. No, me neither. And so. Look, uh, look, to be perfectly honest, I know it's a talking point and all that sort of stuff, but the less said about them, the better. Yeah, that's fair. They need to sort their own stuff out. I know I'm not perfect and I never will be, but um, something just doesn't sit right with what what's going on at Collingwood at the moment. No, me neither. Um, and just, just, as a, just as a heads up, right, Eddie McGuire, right, I have thought for a long time that there's been a conflict of interest with him being in the media and him being the CEO of a club as well, right? And I get that there are others as well. Rachel is not- Maybe Kosh. Koshy, right? I get it. But- Rachel's no longer in charge of North Melbourne. Okay, that's, okay, touche. But he was- Just clarifying, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. To, To put his foot in it when he criticized other clubs and other players for their mishandling of their situations, especially with the whole Jack Stevens situation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he demanded why why doesn't you know why doesn't he talk to the police? Why don't blah, blah, blah. and then to come out and defend and I get it, right? You have to defend your employees, you have to defend your players, but it makes you seem like a massive hypocrite. And I think that that's ultimately the goal of a journalist and reporter. And you can argue, is Eddie McGuire a journalist? I would argue as a commentator as well, is to be as even and as non-biased as possible, right? And for me, looking at him in his role, especially the last two, three weeks, that's, it's, it's become impossible. I don't think Robin Thicke would have imagined how many blurred lines have crossed this way at this point in time. Um, yes, he is. He comes out with some really good things and he's good for the game and he's good for everybody. But yeah, 
and I appreciate the fact that he's doing the right thing. He's standing up for his his players. Uh, appreciate all that, but sometimes he needs to bring out two words that he doesn't often use. And and I appreciate that journalists are going to grill him on it, and people are going to grill him on it because that's what they get paid to do, and that's what he gets paid to do as well. So he would know which way it's coming, but he needs to come out with the no comment a bit more, I think. Um, and just get the full idea of everything. Yes, he, this, the fact that he said he's proud of Steele for accepting the decision, um, the optics of it aren't good. Um, and yeah, you don't need to don't need to see see that that doesn't look doesn't sit right with a few people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the word the phrase no comment needs to come out a couple more times. One hundred percent, I agree with that. Um, Hubs, Victorian teams are now out of Victoria for the foreseeable future. I, I read somewhere that the A-League uh, didn't get their Victorian-based clubs out in time. Um, due to they've, got permission, they've got permission to do it. Okay, well, that's good to hear for them. Um, Which, well, I said, that, I said that to a friend of mine as well, that I'll, um, he, uh, he turns around and he goes, you know why that was though, Michael? I said, why was that? He goes, the fact that the A-League season restarts this week too. Right. So they want some publicity on theirs. So that's probably why they've done what they've done. <laughs> like, yep, fair enough. It's working. We're talking about it. People are talking exactly. about it. Exactly. Go Melbourne victory. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Uh, FIFA victory. Are you a city man? I don't have a preference because uh, soccer's oh. not my game. I watch if, I watch if Australia's playing. Um, you're, you're probably a Liverpool person, aren't you? No, Manchester United, actually. Uh, okay, fair enough. All right. um, we won't talk Premier League either. <laughs> um, it was, look, right, I'm not, uh, I'm, not an, I'm not a soccer guy. The only reason why I say Manchester United is because when I was like six or seven... Um, David Beckham? No, my dad used to work for the company for the company that sponsored Manchester United. And I remember him coming home one day with like a jumper... Um, when they just signed the uh, when they just signed the sponsorship agreement, and he said, "Kind yep. of, like, okay, we got to we got to support Manchester United." It's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing, and I just kind of adopted it without really caring about it. Um, that was back Fair when Liverpool was an actual pool filled with lizards, but you know, seven-year-olds. But anyway, that's beside the point. Hubs, 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 hubs. My question is: <laughs> We have the majority of Victorian teams. Well, actually, sorry, all teams. Victorian and non-Victorian will be in Queensland and New South Wales this weekend. WA teams go back to Perth next weekend, along with Collingwood and Geelong, while the Crows will head back to South Australia with St Kilda next Monday night. So not this coming Monday, Monday after that. My question for you, Michael, which Victorian teams are going to do a Port Adelaide and take full advantage of the situation? And which Victorian team is going to do a West Coast and moan and complain about it. Oh, the moaners and complainers. That's an interesting one. The way you put that. I like that. Mm. I do like that. Um, I hope for our sakes, the Hawks and the Essendon can, Hawks and Essendon can uh, do as well as possible out of it. Um, I think the moaners might be the black and white army. Yep. Uh, potentially. And, and, but at the same point, I don't actually know. I don't actually. I uh, yeah, we had to, they had to get us out, get them out of Victoria. But I looked at it, and went, 
there was an opportunity. They had to get them out of Melbourne. I'll be honest. They had to get them out of Melbourne. There was an opportunity to really take this in as um, take it to regional areas. Why didn't they take what? Like I know Shepparton's catchment is done by Richmond. Mm. Like Richmond control, like have do a um, like have a hub up here. Um, Hawthorne, I think, go to Launceston yeah. um, and do that sort of stuff. Why didn't clubs get to go into, like, okay, yeah, okay, now with the lockdown of the border, it sounds stupid. I understand that. But at the same time, when they were talking about it, they didn't have the border lockdown in place and all that sort of thing. They had to get out of Melbourne because there was hot spots in Melbourne and there is hot spots in Melbourne and all that sort of stuff. So why didn't they just go into regional Victoria? Like, that, that to me sounded like a, an idea at the time. Yes, okay, I'm probably angling for it because I'm from regional Victoria myself. But at the same time, it would have been good to expose A, the communities that have had it so tough. Not just, I mean, we haven't had it as bad as what some of the communities have, like Gippsland and all that sort of stuff. But I reckon it could have done, they could have done it that way, given everyone a bit of a, a sight and all that sort of stuff, get the opportunity. And you can play these, because you're playing in, no, in front of no people, you play the games in these regional centres, um, because they've got the they've got the facilities. I'm sure Gippsland Gippsland have got Maui, or Maui's got a pretty good facility there. Um, you got Bendigo, which has got the Queen Elizabeth Oval. Ballarat's playing hosting Western Bulldogs games. I mean, we can host games up here in Shepparton. You could go to Mildura and play games up there. There's also the even Albury Wodonga or Wangaratta even. Like there's ga- there's places that you can host AFL games in Victoria. I mean, now obviously, it seems moot now because the border's closed. But at the same point, they could have done it that way. They could have made it a regional area sort of set up. That's, I know, something left field. But honestly, good luck to everybody. Hope they all go well. Yeah. But I just don't... I, look, the fact that we're going to have live footy being broadcast, I think, is fantastic. Um, especially with what's happened in the last 24 hours. Um, I think that's going to be good for everyone. Everyone's going to be able to sit there and watch the footy. Um, but at the same point in time, it's what they're going to have. It's what they've had to do as, as professional sports people. Uh, and I mean, again, coming from a cricket background, I look at the cricketers, they go away for six, seven, eight months of the year anyway. Yeah. It's not going to be that bad. Yeah, that's true. So that's, again, someone who doesn't have to live it, but my opinion uh, counterpoint to that, though, I think the reason why the AFL, I think honestly, even if Victoria hadn't had this this spike or as bad a spike as we're having, I think that the AFL probably would have moved Victorian teams out of Victoria anyways, A, just for fairness, um, but B, as well, they want to get fans to games. And so if you have... WA, South Australia, the Northern Territory, Queensland, to a lesser extent, New South Wales, saying that, hey, we can host, we'll, we'll, we'll have people at your game, right? Might not be full crowds, but we'll have people at your game. Versus Victoria, who hasn't said that at all, right? They haven't said it. They've said nothing on crowd size. And it's fair enough, because at the moment, Victoria has bigger things to worry about than whether or not they can fill the MCG or Marble Stadium. So I think the AFL um, was jumped at an opportunity to have fans actually going to a game. My biggest question is, why haven't they used the NT yet? 
I was just going to say the same thing. You've got Alice Springs, you've got Darwin, play games there. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned Tasmania. Why not send teams to Tassie? I'm not sure what this is like. You know, they, 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 I think they have similar numbers to the rest of the country in terms of um, low amounts of active cases. I haven't checked in a while. Tassie? No, they, they haven't had any for, yep, that many days. Yeah, look, right. It, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. But I think, uh, I think an NT and Tassie hubs um, is inevitable. Um, yeah, look. No, I don't think it's going to, ha- I don't think it'll happen. You don't think so? No. They should be, but they're not going to. That's that's my opinion. Fair enough. Remains to be seen. I'd like to. I would like to see at least. I'd like to see at least the NT. They should be playing games there at all at the moment. But yeah, Tassie. Don't see it happening. Yeah. Unfortunately for Tasmania, and I've got friends down there as well, and I just don't see it happening. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. No, it's not not really because they should get a game. They should get a hub. I agree. They should get an AFL team. But that's a topic from another for another day. Uh, Especially considering the NBL have just put a team down there too. So, with the AFL running out of time, down in town. <laughs> but yeah, are the Premiership contenders back? The Giants have been purring. No, the Cats purr. What did the Giants do? Stomp. The Giants stomp. Stomping. They make they make a big sound from the west of the town. Yeah, they've been they've been uh, they've been using air horns uh, out there. But um, look, uh, they are making a loud enough noise to get noise from playing at the moment, the Giants. But joining them on the winners list this weekend, two other Premiership contenders, or at least teams that people would have considered Premiership contenders before the restart, Richmond and West Coast. Now, do we take them as being back? Or do we look at them and say, yeah, West Coast was impressive, but they only played Sydney. Yeah, Richmond were impressive, but they only played Melbourne. You've answered your own question there, in my opinion. Give me a couple more weeks of it, and yeah. let's see what they can do. Yeah. I'm not taking them. I'm not taking them as being back or as premiership contenders just yet. Yeah, I actually, good. I actually don't even know who my premiership contenders contenders are at this point in time, apart from Port Adelaide and Brisbane. Yeah, and that's probably a lot to say for a few people, but I'll be honest, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, they're the most impressive ones to me. I don't even... I, Geelong have had a good run so far. Uh, they play Brisbane this week. That'll be an interesting test for them. Mm. Top four... St Kilda's in the top four now. Like, Essendon with an extra game in hand. Can they? Are they a premiership uh, contender? I, I just... GWS, yes, they're three and two, but their two losses were pretty substantial in the, the way that they go about things. I mean, the fact that what are they, they lost to the Dogs and only scored 33 points and they lost to North. Two teams below them on the ladder. Good point. Like, okay. But, do so, you, but with the Giants, though, yeah, sure, their two losses have been bad. But look at their wins. They steamrolled Hawthorne and they steamrolled Geelong back in round one, which feels like a lifetime ago. But... Do you take into consideration their impression? Would they play Geelong? Uh, Giant Stadium. Okay. If they did that in Geelong, yes. Mm. I don't know. They've got a good home ground advantage to the Giants, and they play that ground very well. Similar to what Geelong do down in Melbourne. 
Uh, down in Geelong, sorry. They played. They beat Hawthorne at Giant Stadium. They haven't. They won't be playing on the MCG, and at this point in time, the MCG is still hosting the grand final. Yeah. So they've got to play well. I mean, yeah, okay, the jury's probably going to be out on Port Adelaide and Brisbane because they're at the. They haven't played on the MCG yet either. Yeah. But for mine, I'm taking. Okay, Richmond and West Coast. Give me another couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. That you're right. They only played City. They only played Melbourne. They did what they had to do to get the four points. <sighs> Give me a couple more weeks of it, and like, this year's going to be up and down all over the place, and and we won't know the fi- the grand finalists until we get to that last weekend in goodness knows what. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say the last week in September because it won't be the last week in September, but whether it's the last week in October or last whatever it is. Last weekend of 2020. Who knows. <sighs> Goodness me! If they do, if they're playing in the last week of 2020, kill me now. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Never-ending football season. Um, oh, it's doing my head in already. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, you know, me being younger and just a football, the young 11-year-old, just eager for football. I think I would have loved a football season that would have gone on for 10 months. But see, I'm a bit more of a sports fan, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I think I take like I'll, I'll watch football while football's interesting and while football's enjoyable. Yeah. But if there's not, then I'll flick over to the rugby or I'll flick over to the basketball or I'll flick over to whatever else is on to see what I can, what I'm actually enjoying. Yeah, that's fair enough. And and I know December is cricket season for mine, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, so hopefully it'll be over and done with by then. Will Melbourne host the Ash? Uh, not the Ashes. What is it? Boxing Day. That's the thing. Um, Boxing Day. Yes. Well, we say yes, but who knows? Anyway, not cricket. Football. Will we host the grand final? Uh, at this stage, it's looking more and more unlikely. When's the grand final going to be? Uh, I think that the AFL will find a way to have it um, late October. Last weekend of October, which is yep. like what it's currently scheduled to be. Yeah, and yeah, that's fair enough. I feel like we should do a, a quick rapid fire round of questions or something at each one of each other, one or the other, or I should do them at you. Um, but yeah, I reckon we will. I reckon Melbourne will host the AFL Grand Final as well, and I reckon you're right. End of October yeah. will be mid midway mid to end of October. If you can't get more than Let's say um, if the Premier comes out and says, yes, sporting fans can go to stadiums, but no more than 40,000 people, no more than 50,000 people. Do you then host the grand final at Marvel Stadium? It would feel weird, wouldn't it? It would be very weird. But then yet again, 1991 decided was held at VFL Park. Waverley, yep. Um, And Hawthorne won that one too against West Coast. Mickey Malthouse. three, by the way. <laughs> Malthouse came out and um, I can't remember when he said this, but he said that that didn't feel like a grand final. Oh. Sorry, it didn't feel like a grand final. It didn't feel like a grand final because, you know, the whole it, it, it'll, it'll, feel, it'll feel weird. It would be. It'd be completely weird. It would be bizarre. The only other place, the only other place I can see them hosting it is Adelaide Oval. Why not ANZ Stadium in Sydney? Are you serious? <laughs> right, ANZ Stadium is the only stadium in Australia outside of the MCG that can host 70,000 people plus. I understand that, but have you seen the surface? 
putrid. Not a chance. If they're going to host it anywhere else, it to me, it's got to be Adelaide, purely and simply because the ground there is in magnificent condition. Can you imagine watching an AFL grand final underneath that old scoreboard on the hill there? I would actually go... I've never been to a cricket match there. I'd actually go to an AFL match, the AFL grand final, if it was there. And if Port Adelaide finished on top of the ladder, they deserve to host it this year. I think that is fair and equitable. I do not think it should go to Perth because the time difference would be too much. Because you think if we're doing in October, and I know we're getting away from it, the script that you've got for us, but if we're going if we're going into October, you got to think daylight savings. So that's automatically three hours difference on yeah. the eastern seaboard. At yeah. least in Adelaide, it's only half an hour difference. So yeah. the only other place I can see them hosting it would be in Adelaide. I can't even see them Brisbane hosting it. What about the NT? No, I'm joking. Anyways, I'm joking. An hour and a half. An hour and a half time difference. Nope. Fair enough. Honestly, if they play the grand final, I don't care if they play it in Mumbai. I just want them to play. But <laughs> they'll play it in New Zealand before they play it in Mumbai. Yeah, um, Let's, we know how that failed. Yeah, look, right, Adelaide or Auckland, I don't mind. But moving on, uh, rapid fire injuries and suspensions. Just touching upon the major ones because for me, there was a lot of injuries this round. I don't know about you, but there what is was. Have we looked that up? <sighs> okay, so I wrote down in my script, stringer in brackets, cry, close brackets. If, if uh, there was one player, if there was one player that we could not afford to get injured, if there was one player, because we've done... Joe Danaher. We've done, we've done well without Joe Danaher. We've done well without him. And that doesn't mean that I want him to go to Sydney. Please, Joey, I love you. Stay, please. But we've done well without Joe Danaher. Jake Stringer has become such an important cog in the machine that is Essendon when we are on. You, know, you saw it on Friday night. He was our best player. Aside from Phillips in the ruck, he was our best player. And I'm glad yep, that we're getting him sure. back. I'm glad that we should be getting McKenna back, but oh, I think Wush has said, you know, if only we've been given a, a, a proper run with our best 22 at any stage over the last three seasons. Yeah. You touched yeah. upon Matt Rowe. Um, it's heartbreaking to see the similarities in that injury to Gary Ablett's injury when he was playing for the Suns back in 2014 and how long it took for him to recover. That, for me, was just devastating to watch that. Really heartbreaking. And I yeah. hope no, he's out there sooner rather than later. And I'm being yeah. serious. He was, a, he was a Brownlow contender before that injury. He'll, have, he'll probably be in the top, in the what is it, five rounds that we've had so far? Yep. He'd be in the top five for the Brownlow. Yep, without a doubt. Uh, I think the one to keep an eye out on, uh, Tim Taranto. If he comes back for the Giants, then the Giants, uh, just reminding myself who they play, Port Adelaide. Right, okay. We'll get into this in a second. I'm tipping the Giants to win this one in a close one. We'll get into if it. Taranto win, if Taranto comes back? If Taranto comes Cause back. Because I've, I've got here that he's one to two weeks with his shoulder. Miracles have happened before. 
<laughs> if he comes back, GWS win by 50 points. Okay. Now, uh, any major injuries that I didn't touch on that you think should be touched on? Um, I'll tell you what, whoever found syndesmosis can chuck that in the uh, in the bin. That can go with the rest of 2020, I think, in the bin. Uh, ben Cunnington's back injury. Yes, he played the game or he got selected. He would think he played half an hour and or not even that and decided, no, nah, that's it. Um, couldn't do it. To how about this for Richmond, though? Toby Nankervis, Dion Prestia, Trent Cotchin, Tom Lynch. Um, wow. And then you throw in on top of that, Basha Hooley and Shade Redwood's not uh, not flying up north. Yeah, they're going to be tested, I think, uh, the Tigers. See what happens there. They've got, yeah, Koch for one to three weeks. Tom Lynch is going to be tested after he's had his surgery with his hand in the private jet plane um, up that way. Um, oh, no, they say big jet plane, isn't it, right? And then, yeah, Nan Kervis and Dion Presti with syndesmosis injuries. Um, four to eight weeks, they're saying. So good luck. Uh, in regards to it, uh, Sam Naismith's been ruled out for the season from Sydney. Um, I think he injured himself last week. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's not good at all. Still heartbreaking. Um, no. mm, Still heartbreaking. Yeah, for him as well. Luke Shuey, one to two weeks with a hamstring as well. Ooh. That was a big one on uh, at uh, West Coast. That's our West Coast win. That might be Adam Simpson's fault, but moving on. Yeah, so they're the ones I've got anyway. I don't remember seeing any suspensions or anything like that come up. One, uh, Lachlan Murphy of the Crows, one match. He can accept one match with an early plea for the dangerous tackle uh, against the Dockers. So it'll be interesting oh. to see what happens there. Another one. Um, Was there another one? Um, West Coast player on a Sydney Swan? Or a Sydney Swan on a West Coast player? I... Think. I'm guessing I shouldn't be guessing. No, I shouldn't be guessing either. This is terrible. I promise <laughs> I promise you this podcast to your listeners normally more organized than this. Um, <laughs> it was someone else. Yeah. But regardless of who it is, it's going to be interesting to see how the AFL deals with that, right? First real proper test of this measure since the Burgoyne incident. Let's see what they do with it. Moving on. Round yeah. five, preview. Who wins by how much and why? Thursday night football at the SCG, but with no swans. Instead, it's a battle of the cats. Geelong v. Brisbane. I think Brisbane by 19 points, purely because they are the best team at the moment. Um, in terms of form, they are the best team at the moment by not only who they've won against and by how much, but how they've won. They are electrifying to watch, Brisbane. Geelong... Yeah, sure. You know, they're, 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 they're doing well, but you have to realise they beat Melbourne by three points. They beat, they lost to Carlton by two points. Forget the last quarter. For three-fourths of that game, they were awful. And they got crushed by the Giants in round one. So am I convinced about Geelong? Nah. Don't forget they smacked Hawthorne too. Yeah, they, they smashed Hawthorne, but again, you know, down at Geelong. they're going to be so for me, Brisbane by 19 points. Brisbane by 24. Uh, Harris Andrews to do a number on Tom Hawkins. Charlie Cameron to do a number on whoever he, whoever three or four players that he gets put on. 
um, to get put on him. It could be God. It could be God. It could be Charlie Cameron versus God. And I would. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, Charlie Cameron will will do pretty well, and he'll he'll rev that he'll enjoy play, uh, revving that Harley up in Sydney. I reckon. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Brisbane for mine. Yep, absolutely. Friday night football at Giant Stadium. Your Hawks take on Collingwood, and I'm tipping you guys to win by 12 points. Uh, Collingwood are hurting at the moment. Granted, you guys are too after that shellacking from the Giants. But both teams coming out with a point to prove. Both teams, Collingwood, absolutely one of the premiership favourites. Hawthorne, I think, were a dark horse heading into the season. Both teams two weeks ago were flying. And now they are crashing. Because of that, I think it's going to be close. But with Collingwood being in the rabble that they are and Hawthorne having the best coach in the league, Hawthorne by 12 points. Uh, no one's going to take my tip seriously here, but I think Hawthorne by about 30 points. We saw what happened when Hawthorne got shellacked by Geelong and how they bounced back against Richmond. Collingwood are on the, will be on the other end of this. No Jordan Degoe. Uh, I don't think Jaden Stevenson will get a fast start like he did uh, against your mob. Isn't, oh, he's, you're right, he's not playing. No, nah, he's out because he's still got to get COVID tested and everything with that. Um, yeah, I and having Hawthorne played up at Giant Stadium last week, that's one good thing about having these uh, hubs. We might get used to playing at Giant Stadium because we're terrible at it. So, But I think um, we'll beat them. We'll beat the Pies. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. You hear that, Collingwood fans? You're going to lose yet again. Uh, different type of repeat, but... Stop, stop rubbing it in for me because then I'll have butter, uh, egg on my face when they fourth on loose. <laughs> either way, either way, I'm going to be smiling. But anyway, Saturday, afternoon football at Metricon Stadium, Fremantle versus St Kilda. Uh, congratulations, Fremantle, on your first win. Uh, however, that was against Adelaide. You are playing a team that at the moment is in contention for a top four spot. And the Saints, it'll be interesting to see how they do it away from Marvel Stadium because they're one game away from Marvel Stadium thus far this year against Collingwood at the MCG. They were awful. Uh, Saints by five goals. No five still for Frio. Um, yes. Did you say by five goals? I said by five goals. Yeah, I think Saints by at least four to five, at least. Oh, anyway, one to 39, I'll go with that at least anyway. So, um backing them in here pretty comfortably. Now, um, I remember you asking me in the first podcast that you joined me in, NBD, uh, you asked me about what secret, what secret did I, what secret knowledge did I possess that the Suns were going to beat West Coast, right? <laughs> now, now, I'm not saying that I'm tipping the Crows to beat the Eagles, but that same instinct is just telling me that if the Eagles go into this game expecting an easy win, that they will lose this match. But I think because they're starting from so far behind this season in terms of win-loss, they're not going to do it. Eagles will win a thriller by 10 points. Knock, knock. Who's that? Owen. Owen who? Owen Six. Adelaide will be... Adelaide will be 0-6 by the end of Saturday and Eagles will win this one and win this one comfortably. 
take that city of churches. They need all the prayers they can get. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Melbourne v Gold Coast at Giant Stadium. Interesting thing is, is that both New South Wales teams are playing in Queensland and both Queensland teams are playing in New South Wales, which is interesting. But anyways, um, Melbourne beat Gold Coast at Giant Stadium. Uh, Gold Coast are doing quite well. Yeah, sure. Lost to Geelong. Honourable loss to Geelong. Melbourne um, can't do anything when they do get the ball. Uh, This is an easy tip for me. Never thought that I would say a Gold Coast win would be an easy tip for me. But the Suns buy seven goals. Interesting, and I know we don't touch on this very often, but the betting markets is an interesting one on this one. Gold Coast, $2 outsiders to Melbourne, $1.80. So the bookies have Melbourne as has favourites at this point in time. And I agree with you. What? Um, I'm well, thinking Gold Coast. I, Gold Coast I, should win this one. I'm the type of person, right, who whenever, whenever a betting scene comes on in a movie... I'm the one that watches it with a blank expression on my face because I don't know what's yeah. going on. I don't know what's going on, right? But even I, someone who can't tell the difference between poker and a game that's not poker that I can't name because I don't know any other games that are poker, even looking at those odds, even I know that that is ridiculous. And if you are tipping Melbourne in this game, maybe you don't deserve to go to the ski slopes this year. Essendon v <laughs> Melbourne at Metricon Stadium, Saturday night football. Can the Bombers do it without Stringer? I think so. Depends. The margin, though, depends on whether or not Ben Cunnington will be back and fully fit for North Melbourne. I think a fully fit Ben Cunnington does a lot for the Kangaroos. I think a not fully fit Ben Cunnington takes away a lot for them as well. Bombers, 521, simply because we are on better form. We're the better team on paper. And also because I don't like North Melbourne. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, Jai Simkin to play really well. Essendon to not play Joe Danaher. Um, Essendon to really miss Jake Stringer, but to bring back Connor McKenna, I think their run through halfback will be strong. It'll be interesting to see what they're like up in the uh, humid conditions of Metricon Stadium. But uh, I do think Essendon will win this one, but uh, maybe a little bit closer than we want to give it credit for. As long as it's not another six-point game, then my heart can take it. Speaking of six-point game, it's not going to be by six points. It'll be close. Giants by seven points against Port Adelaide. Um, purely because GWS finding form at the moment. Port Adelaide. This, with a bit of this is based on. This is based on the fact that Tim Taranto is coming through. So. One hundred. Um, well, no, again, right? I said. I said if Tim Taranto plays. Giants by 50 points. Yeah. Uh, I'm back in Port Adelaide to bounce back. Charlie Cameron to kick. Not not, not a bag, but he'll be back Charlie to Dixon. kicking goals. Charlie Dixon. What did I say? Cameron. Charlie Dixon. Fair <laughs> Definitely Charlie Dixon. Interesting. So, yeah, no, I reckon Port Adelaide will, will bounce back and bounce back well. This is going to be an interesting game. Uh, at the Gabba... It's Richmond v Sydney. Uh, neither team with a proper ruckman. Um, this is going to be very interesting. I think Richmond not having Nankervis. Huge out. Nankervis's former team. And because the fact that Richmond is going to have so many players out, 
And this was the reason really why I didn't have them in the top four when I did my ladder prediction when the season was coming back. Because if, if they were struck with something like this, the injury bug, would do they have the personnel to cover for it? I don't think they do. Every round calls for an upset. The Swans will win by 15 points. Swans played like they played against West Coast. They're not beating... Ardmona, to be perfectly honest. But and Ardmona haven't even been training. So, but I um, if, if he played like they have against North Melbourne, then good luck, Richmond, is all I can say to that. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Uh, I reckon the Swans by a point. How about that? Especially Ooh. the fact that it's at the Gabba and not at anywhere at either home ground. Well, I tell you what, the fact that it's not at the SCG might actually benefit the Sydney Swans because they have the worst home ground advantage in the league. Uh, well, there's for a step for you. Um, Carlton v the Western Bulldogs at Metricon Stadium. Uh, this is a fascinating Sunday night game. Can the Blues bounce back or will the Bullies bully the Blues into submission? How about that for alliteration? Bulldogs by 36 points. Hope my English teacher is proud of me. No way she's listening to this, but anyways. Uh, dogs by 36 simply because, um... They're playing better football. Uh, they're playing more convincing football. Their wins have been far more impressive. And though their losses have been more disastrous, they've seemingly rectified the problems in those defeats. Dogs by 36, because I still don't trust Carlton. Yeah, you're right. I don't trust Carlton either, but I think they'll play better than what they did uh, last week against Secura. So I am going to say the Dogs. But I'm going to say it by half to that and say three goals. I think it's going to be... Half of 36 is 18 for all those mathematicians out there that didn't understand that. I, I, I just ran the numbers on that and um, that, is, that is correct. I have, I have uh, backed that up, yes. Uh, for me, the, this Carlton team kind of reminds me of Essendon early last year when the Bombers were, I think, three and two heading into round six. And it's the fast starts. When Carlton start quickly, they win. When they start yep. slowly and take a quarter to show up to the ground, they lose. And it's the exact yep. same last year with Essendon. So as soon as they rectify the slow starts, they can beat anyone in the league, which is why they're not going to win this weekend. Because knowing them, they'll probably miss their flight. On that, uh, breaking news out of the AFL Tribunal, Hayden Crozier's one-match ban for rough conduct, the dangerous tackle, has been upheld. So he will miss the clash with Carlton on Sunday. There you go. In that case, then Bulldogs by 35 points, not 36 points. <laughs> I can't go 17 and a half, so that's fine. I'm happy to stay at 18. <laughs> so there you go. Some breaking news out of the AFL Tribunal for you. Thank you very much for that breaking news. To finish off this episode of the Through the Banner podcast, thank you, MVD, for joining me. Casper, stay safe, mate. I know uh, things are getting tougher again and all that sort of stuff. So all the best. Uh, hope everything stays safe. Uh, well, hope everything goes well for you and stay safe and look after yourself. And uh, until we talk again, my friend, be yeah. good. Thank you, MVD. Likewise, hope everything's well and hope that you and your loved ones are all okay. And I hope the same for you, dear listener. And uh, I will see you next week for next week's episode. Goodbye. <laughs>